Hello, and thank you for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If you enjoy this message, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. You know it's Master's Sunday. I'm not talking about what's going on in Augusta. It's the Master's Sunday. So, uh, if you want to have a little fun with some of your friends that may have stayed home to watch the Masters, just tell them they're following the wrong Master. And please tell them Brother Bill told you to say that. (laughs) Oh, what a great day this is. It's an awesome day to be serving the Lord. Uh, Brother Mike Watkins, please stand up. How many of you know we had an election this past week in Wakala County? Yeah. <laughs> so I got to tell you, I called Mike to talk to him, see how he was doing. By the way, if you didn't know, if you didn't read the news, he lost. Uh, but, uh, but I said, how are you doing? Greatest response I've ever heard from anybody. This is what Mike said. Mike said, I lost an election, but I found a church family. That's the greatest response I've heard. And, and I dare say, friends, my friend, that you won. You won. You didn't win like the world wins, but you, you won in the Spirit. And so praise the Lord for that. And I believe, and we believe God has some great things in store for you. Jane Pugh is here today. Jane, where are you? Would you please stand up? Jane is in the back. She lost her husband, Rick, this past Monday. We'll be doing the services tomorrow in Tallahassee at the Veterans Cemetery. Uh, If you would stand just a moment, can we pray for you, sister? Yes. Some of you around her, if you will just uh, gather around and and just pray for her. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray for our dear sister and her family in, in the loss of her husband, our friend. We ask, Father, that you would comfort her as only you can do. We pray that you'll meet every need. We pray that you will uh, lead and guide and bless through the rest of this day, and especially tomorrow, that the service will not just honor his memory, but will lift up your holy name. Uh, Lord, we thank you that we have comfort in you. Even though we sorrow, we do not sorrow like the rest of the world sorrows. And we pray that your great comfort will be upon her. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want you to open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter. I'll read verses 23 through 32. 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, verses 23 through 32. I want to talk to you about Three reasons for the Lord's Supper. Three reasons for the Lord's Supper, which we will be celebrating in just a few moments. 1 Corinthians 11, beginning in verse 23. 
For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. Let us pray one more time. Father, in Jesus' name, we ask that you would, through your Holy Spirit and through your word, prepare us to celebrate communion. I pray, Father, that you will enlighten us this morning, that you will give us a great understanding of what this is all about and what it means and how significant and how sacred it really is. Bless us, Lord. Lead us and guide us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Some churches actually write out full and complete doctrinal statements of faith. And they will take even things like the Lord's Supper and they will write out a doctrinal statement on the Lord's Supper. Now, I don't think that's necessary, but I do believe it's important for us to know and understand why we celebrate communion and how important it is. If you're not sure, then maybe this message will help. And I also found a doctrinal statement of faith from another church that I felt like really gives us a great deal of light on the subject. Here it is. Now, they wrote this out in their church. This would be a good one to adopt. We believe that the Lord's Supper is an ordinance of the Lord in which gathered believers eat bread signifying Christ's body given for his people, and drink the cup of the Lord, signifying the new covenant in Christ's blood. We do this in remembrance of the Lord, and thus proclaim his death until he comes. Those who eat and drink in a worthy manner partake of Christ's body and blood, not physically, but spiritually, in that By faith, they are nourished with the benefits he obtained through his death and thus grow in grace. That's a pretty good statement. I want us to just zero in on some simple things this morning. First of all, why do we do it? Why do we take Sunday mornings, Wednesday nights? Why do we from time to time prepare the table and take communion? Why is it such a big deal for us? And I'll give you three reasons. The first one, you can write these down if you would like, but they're all embedded in the text. We do it because our Lord Jesus Christ told us to do it. It's a biblical ordinance. It's an ordinance of the Lord. 
If I were to say to you this morning, something is a city ordinance or a county ordinance, you would know exactly what I'm talking about. A city ordinance means that the, the municipal authorities have gotten together and they've uh, created some standards for the city or some standards for the county, and these are ordinances for that and for their jurisdiction. Uh, I looked up some of these. Most of our cities in America have an ordinance, a no smoking ordinance in public places. And so that's a city ordinance. I've, I found one city that had what they call a good neighbor ordinance. And, and when they explained the good neighbor ordinance, I thought this was funny. You can't have four or five old broken down cars in your front yard. That would not be a good neighbor. And so, so we understand what an ordinance is in the physical world, but in the spiritual world, the Lord's Supper is an ordinance of the Lord. It's something that He, our highest authority, has instructed us to do. Here it is. It was in our text. Do this in remembrance of me. He told us to do it. And I guess, if we're honest, we all struggle from time to time when it comes to knowing exactly what God wants us to do. But in this area, there is no struggle. We know exactly what Christ wants us to do. We know that He wants us as individuals and the gathering of His church, His church family. We know that He wants us as believers from time to time to come together and to celebrate communion together. He told us to do it. That alone would be enough, wouldn't it? But also we find in this text that we do it, this is number two, we do it as an act of remembrance. We do it in order to remember him and remember what he did. Again, here it is. Do this in remembrance of me. And the symbolism is beautiful and it is also sobering. When we pass the bread out in a few moments and you hold the bread in your hand, you will be holding a beautiful and sobering symbol of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. But the bread does not just represent the body of Jesus. It represents the broken body of Jesus. The Bible says that he took bread and he broke it. And he said, take and eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Now we lose some of the, the beauty of the symbolism uh, in a mass gathering like this. But if you ever do this in your home or you do it in your life group or in a smaller setting, I recommend that you actually use bread, some kind of bread that's whole like this. Can you imagine Jesus seated at the table with his disciples and he took bread? And this is what it says, he broke it. Uh, most of the theologians believe that Jesus did something like this. He took the bread and he broke it apart. And he said, this is my body. He was telling them that his body would be broken. 
that it would be torn, that it would be beaten, that it would be battered. This is my body, which is broken for you. And then he hands it to his disciples, and he says, take and eat, because this represents me and what I'm about to do. Now, the Bible also tells us in that same manner that he took the cup, the cup of the Lord, and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Now, in our culture, that may not mean a great deal to us. But trust me, those disciples all knew exactly what he was talking about. They understood covenants and how covenants were made. You see, in the Bible, covenants were made at an altar, and they were sealed in blood. And when Jesus held that cup up and said, this cup is the new covenant, and it will be sealed, it will be ratified in my blood. When he held that bread up and he said, my body will be broken, and this represents my broken body, and this cup represents my blood, which will be shed for you. They knew what he was talking about. This is the new covenant. To have a covenant, something had to be cut. That's what the word means. Something had to believe. He said, it will be my blood. Wow. My body will be broken and my blood will be poured out on the altar to establish a new covenant. It was loud and clear. And it's all right here in this text. The first reason for doing communion, the Lord's Supper, and participating in this is because the Lord said do it. The second reason is so that we could remember the sacrifice of His broken body and His shed blood. But then we come to the third reason. We do it in order to proclaim His death. We do it because He said do it. We do it to remember Him, and we do it to proclaim His death. Verse 26 says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till He comes. Communion is a proclamation of His death. Now, it's many things, but one of the things that it is, is it is a great proclamation of His death. If you were in a situation where someone actually died for you, where someone took a bullet for you, if you were in a situation where somebody maybe pushed you out of the way of a speeding vehicle to save your life, and in the process they were killed, you would never forget that, would you? You would spend the rest of your life telling people what that person had done for you. This is kind of the spirit of communion, that He died for us, He gave Himself for us, He sacrificed Himself for us, and we're to constantly be telling people what He did. The name... Arlen D. Williams, Jr. probably doesn't mean anything to you. It didn't to me until I read the story. But there are five people who will never forget that name. Here's the story. On January the 13th, 1982, Air Florida Flight 90 took off from Washington National Airport. 
it failed to gain altitude. And it crashed into the 14th Street Bridge and then plunged into the freezing waters of the Potomac River. Only six of the 79 people on board survived the initial crash and were able to escape the sinking plane in the middle of the icy river. They were clinging, the six of them were clinging to twisted pieces of wreckage. When the first helicopter arrived, life vests were dropped. Arlen D. Williams was one of the six and seemed to be in better shape than the other five. He passed the life vest to each of the other five. When a lifeline was dropped, he took it and handed it to another passenger who was dragged to safety. Each time the lifeline was dropped, he would hand it off until all five were rescued. When the helicopter returned for the man who was busy saving the lives of others, he was gone. He had drowned. The headlines read, A hero passenger aids others, then dies. The 14th Street Bridge was repaired and renamed the Arlen D. Williams Jr. Memorial Bridge. That was 37 years ago, and I can assure you, if those five people are still alive today, and you could find them, if you just mention the name Arlen D. Williams Jr., they would be moved. They would be singing his praise and proclaiming his heroic deed. They would proclaim his death with the deepest gratitude, appreciation, and thanksgiving. Church, when we take communion, we are proclaiming his death. And, 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 and we keep proclaiming his death every time we take communion. It, it is... It is an amazing thing. We point to the death of our Lord Jesus Christ today. Now we do this almost every Sunday and we will celebrate the resurrection of our Lord next Sunday. But from time to time, we are to declare to a lost and dying world that He died for us. That He set us free. And when we celebrate communion, I'm telling you, we are pointing to a Savior who died for us. It is a sacred thing. It is a serious thing. It, 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 it is an amazing thing that He did for us. And I don't know about you, but it is extremely hard for me to get my brain wrapped around it. After all of these years and preaching the Word as much as I've preached it, it's hard for me to comprehend that a Savior died for me. And that He died for you. And that somehow, some way, in His amazing love, He gave His pure, holy, sinless life for you and for me and for us and for His church. How was that even possible? How, how is it even possible 
that He so holy would give His life for those of us who are so unholy. How is that possible? I don't think we put as much emphasis on that as the old theologians did and some of the old songwriters. There's an old song that says, Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my Sovereign die? Would He devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? Another song says he could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world and set him free. He could have called 10,000 angels. But he died alone for you and for me. Think about it for a moment. I have to proclaim his death, don't I? You have to proclaim his death, don't you? We have to proclaim His death. We must. And, and, and every time we celebrate communion, it focuses on His death and the sacrifice of His body and His blood. You'll have to speak for yourself and give your own testimony, but I tell you this morning, I don't deserve to be where I am. I... I can't get my brain wrapped around it. I should be dead. I should be dead and in hell. Now there's people who are offended by that, but friends, I can tell you, I should be dead and in hell. Like I say, you tell your own story. But that's not where my story ends. Somehow, some way, beyond my comprehension, I may never understand that He died for me. He gave His life for me. The Lord of lords and the King of kings died for me. He died for you. He died for the church. The Son of the living God rescued us from the grip of sin and the chilly waters of death. And He did it by giving His own life. The Lamb of God. The spotless Lamb of God. Died for us. And one of the requirements that He gives to us is don't ever quit proclaiming that. Don't ever quit telling it. Don't ever quit telling the world what I've done for you. Now, the requirements are not that difficult to understand in Scripture. I know sometimes we think they are, but they're not. You see, the requirements are this. That we do not take the Lord's table in an unworthy manner. Now this scares a lot of people, and, and I do think it demands our undivided attention. Verse 27 says, Therefore whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of our Lord. That's frightening, isn't it? 
just to read that. But church, listen to me this morning. Not one person here today is worthy to take communion. We have to read it. We have to interpret it just like it's stated in the Bible. This is not talking about you being worthy. This is talking about the manner in which you come to the communion table. You see, none of us are worthy. If the only people who, who receive the bread and the cup and, and celebrate communion today are those who are worthy, nobody in this house will do it. Not one of us is worthy. But every one of us can come to the Lord's table in a worthy manner. That means you are completely focused on the Lord Jesus Christ. That means that you're not flipping about it. There should never be any such thing as casual communion. You never do it just to be doing it. You, you never celebrate communion just because you showed up at church and that's what they're doing and let's do this and get over it and then go on. No. We are never to be casual when it comes to communion. We are to be focused on the Lord and His broken body and His shed blood and that demands our undivided attention. I invite every one of you here today to celebrate communion and to partake of the Lord's table. But if for some reason you can't get your brain off of you and off of the rest of the world and onto a Savior who was broken and bleeding and dying for you, then don't take communion. Say, not today. But if in humility, if in brokenness, if in repentance, if in self-judgment, the Scripture says it, that if we would judge ourselves, oh, oh, we're going to come to the communion table. I shouldn't have been talking that way. I shouldn't have done that. That shouldn't have been a part of my life. Oh, I feel so guilty. I, I don't, I, I want to judge myself, Lord. I don't want you to judge me. I want you to, ju- I want to judge myself in humility and brokenness and repentance and self-judgment and crying out to the Lord with the comprehension and the understanding that your only hope is that His body was broken and His blood was shed. If you can do that, then you are coming to the communion table in a worthy manner. That's what the Bible tells us. We do it because He said do it. It's an ordinance. It's a standard for His children and His family. We do it in order to remember that supreme sacrifice. And we do it to proclaim His death. And we do it with the utmost seriousness. It is sacred. It is holy. And our eyes today are to be upon Him.
And that's what communion is all about, and that's why we do it. Would you bow with me in prayer? Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.